Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Brandon, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello, Mr. Joe. And from Old Blood Noise Endeavours, Dan Pihacek. Hello. Good to be on. Hello, Dan. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's been a good, good Monday so far. Oh, excellent, excellent. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Dear listener, you'll uh, you'll probably know Dan from uh, from the Old Blood Noise Endeavours YouTube channel from all the the Dan Explains It All uh, video series, but uh, fantastically informative, wonderful videos all, uh, all about the Old Blood Noise Endeavours pedals and other things like kind of general stuff as well, where you go super in depth and present, you know, wonderfully weird and unusual videos that kind of, I love how they go so completely against the the narrative, the sort of YouTube narrative of making videos look as uh, as polished and professional as, as possible. I love that you lean into the sort of weirdness um, of your videos, which makes them incredibly watchable and a bit different. Yeah, I always love to see what uh, what Seth, our creative director, and the, the rest of the AV team do with that stuff. You know, we're we're in front of a green screen, and then to watch it back, it's just it's just sheer joy to see how silly it ends up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I I especially enjoy a lot of the uh, the cuts. Like you do things like deliberate extended gaps at the end of cuts that will have you guys just sort of sitting staring at the camera for a little bit there's uh, I, I, it's it's wonderful it's it's lovely because they're so fun um is and just uh, you know they're just a bit more light-hearted no one's taking themselves too seriously no one's pretending that you know because it's, it's just pretending when people are trying to make things ridiculously high budget like we, we're all still in our spare bedrooms you know with a camera and a lighting rig we got off of amazon and you know it's uh <laughs> it's uh yes it's it's lovely to see they're very good and you've been doing it a long time as well that dan explains it all videos that seems uh, that's a long-winded series yeah i guess it started in maybe 2017 I, the first one was uh uh, basically an explanation of series versus parallel because we had just put out the the excess uh, you know distortion modulation pedal and you could there was a switch to run them in parallel or series and uh, there was just the idea to do a little explainer of like what's the difference between these two sounds and so they decided to have me as the presenter uh, and we just kind of it was just a goofy in the middle of the build room shot and 
we we didn't know what to call it and then joked about just calling it Dan Explains It All. Uh, and that then that just kind of stuck. We, we kept doing it and it became the way that we approach our full on, you know, sort of technical demos uh, for for every pedal release. They're, they're great I, I and i love that as well i love that it's not just whenever you have a new release obviously you you, you get a, a dan explains it all video going super into depth um about whatever the pedal is but i love that you deal with broader topics as well um oh, I, was, I was trying to think of, of another one i could think of that was a broader topic recently oh i, I tell you what i really like this the, the fact that you've done like the utility pedals as well um like you did one that was that was really in depth on the um not the slider one the other one the the, uh, the ramper yeah 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 exactly and how the trs works and how you can change that function of it by taking off the back of the the pedal like that was a that was an incredibly geeky you know sort of in-depth <laughs> of uh, video about what what is a, a relatively simple and you know basic utility pedal yeah it's a deep dive that you don't you don't often see like we've as we've made expression devices we've started to realize that everyone has a different standard and there's different different tweaks of like well this value doesn't work with this or this type of connection doesn't work with this and so yeah, it's been interesting to do explainers on kind of expression overall and the specifics of how you can configure the expression ramper to work with just about anything. Um, because yeah, you don't you don't <laughs> you don't see many deep dives on uh, expression control standards. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, exactly. But that's uh, now, dear listener, we're, we're going to talk about uh, broader topics as well, and the new old blood noise endeavor stuff, and a, a whole bunch of stuff that Dan's into as well but just just to kind of go off on a slight tangent on those things the utility pedals for old blood noise endeavors they feel like something that must have had a a, a, a huge impact on on the company on on old blood noise endeavors because like whilst there are plenty of companies that maybe offer u- utility pedals as a as a custom thing i kind of feel like you were maybe the the first or the most noticeable to introduce these really simple things that gave people a different way to access other pedals that they had anything with an expression in for example um hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, that's, that's I guess, the question. I sort of finished it weirdly. With an um, but... Well, yeah, that... <laughs> now I'm now I'm starting the answer weirdly, but uh, yeah, I feel like the the utility line, yeah, it sort of opened up some things because the the initial thing was, you know, we came out with like an ABY and a buffer with an EQ and a headphone amp, and they were all just sort of, you know, things that existed elsewhere. I mean, ABY pedals are, are all over the place but it was just kind of like mm. yeah but we'll make one with the old blood logo on it you know we'll, we'll style it in a way that we like yeah. um the eq buffer similar similar deal and i think it uh, creating that utility line gave us room to explore things that didn't feel as as out there and and now it's become this avenue like with signal blender to explore you know putting multiple devices in parallel or with expression ramper to say you know this doesn't make any sound on its own but it can automate a knob movement for you uh, you know if mm. a pedal has expression control enabled you can attach an lfo to it which in like the modular world is you know all over the place but in the pedal world you don't see as much of that that kind of stuff so i think the utility line is a fun way for us to explore um yeah things that don't make sound on their own but help you get different sounds out of what you already have i, th yeah, I think absolutely. um i think one and and I'll ask this because I think when it first launched, I think me and Joe perhaps struggled to explain the best way to use it. Um, but I think again, just interest, just an interesting take on a utility pedal is the split meld. Um, what in your mind is the best kind of use of that particular product? Because it seemed like quite an interesting concept, but at the time we were like confused. <laughs> yeah so that that's a confusing one that so that idea came from from uh seth when he was um i believe he had a he basically had a some sort of stereo trs output that he wanted to um route separately to two chains and then uh bring those two chains back together into uh the strymon iridium which takes a trs input and he basically said, I just, I just want a box that kind of, you know, splits the TRS connection into two TS connections and then the other way around. And I feel like me, you know, me and Isaac, the, the other engineer, both were kind of like, uh, so it's just like cabling, you know, I, I don't get why, why, why this should be in a case. And, and he was like, yeah, but it just, it makes it so much tidier. You can put it on the board. Uh, it just, it feels like it'd be so much easier to have it in a box. And so we, we thought, well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's something we can make so we spun up the design uh seth did some really cool art for it and uh put it out there and it's been it's been really successful it's just it's basically like it's i think people want to overcomplicate it they they say like oh so split meld can help me you know i can use it like an aby or like a signal splitter recombiner and it's like no it's really just pure routing it's taking a trs connection and turning it into two ts connections uh, and, and you have two two of those so it's perfect for situations where you've got a, a trs that needs to split out and then be recombined or you can just use one at a time or or whatever uh, yeah. so it's, I think, it's uh, kind of it's simpler than you think that's the best way to understand it <laughs> I, th I think now you've said that i'm like Okay, that makes more sense. I was like, I think when we first talked about it, I was like, so you can kind of split and you can do this. And, and I think, yeah, to your point, just absolutely overcomplicating over it to the point where you're just, you, you've confused yourself. Um, 
but no that make that makes way more sense so yeah thanks for explaining that but again just an interesting one for i think you you know you guys have got the single signal blender um but i think it's nice me and joe were saying that also um again to appeal to the the fans that um things like the expression ramper and stuff come in so many different color schemes oh i love that you do that and is that a thing now because i think the first time i noticed it was when you did the 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 church's a signature pedal you released um the ramper and the slider in that finish and you've just done it now with the new release which we'll talk about um later today uh, with the float yeah we had done some uh like color schemes that matched you know dark star sunlight and some that are just fun you know neon colors and just various combinations but screen violence was the first one where uh it, it like took the art of the pedal and reinterpreted it in the expression ramper format and so then yeah we did it with float as well and yeah i think at this point it's probably just something we're going to do with with every release um because it's just fun you know it's fun to have that that extra utility that just matches the new thing yeah it's really cool and, and you know of course because the utility pedals are, are so very affordable like you know the the ramper is like 69 dollars the sliders 44 dollars you know it's a it's 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 a cool thing that i wouldn't mind owning a couple of you know it's it's not like a, a new one's going to come out and i'm gonna be like oh damn i wish i i wish i had that one now yeah it becomes, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to yeah it's <laughs> to a bit more, more of a, a collection rather than a, i only need one of these so yeah people yeah, i feel like people exactly. enjoy collecting very you know well i've got the standard white one but the next one i buy should should be a different color because why not you know? <laughs> <laughs> um in, interestingly on that just to kind of finish that you're saying you know look at it like an lfo and uh just in my uh i was saying to joe i was like oh, i've got some spaces on my pedal board which i think we were going to talk about on the on the patreon later but had a space for one mini pedal and then you're like that's like an lfo and i'm like why aren't i running that into the input of like another pedal on my pedal board and i've got one space for like a, a mini pedal i'm like I just put that on there and then i'll just plug that into the expression and then i don't need another pedal i can just have an expression ramper make the other pedal do loads of weird stuff if go. i need yeah, to so go. problem solved i mean i i still think the slider is one of the uh slide is the one for, for me i appreciate that the ramper actually opens up you know a few more doors i think it was maybe because the slider was the first one i was like oh because i don't really like expression pedals i don't like using them but if it opens up a whole extra sound on a pedal and, you know, with things like, uh, you know, I'm playing a lot of the, the KMA uh, Logan Transcend Drive and the KMA Cheap Disruptor, which is their Big Muff style pedal. Both of those have expression outs, which essentially access the the mid frequencies. So I can add like a cocked wah tone using the slider. And that's like a whole extra effects pedal, essentially, that, that I'm getting out of the out of a you know a 44 dollar utility pedal yeah absolutely but uh yeah i feel like one of my favorite tricks with the ramper i was just gonna say you you plug that into like a delay pedal that has an expression control over time and you just turn it into a chorus pedal um so yeah adding that to your just slotting it in for that mini pedal could could Mm. definitely open up a lot of stuff Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, I guess one of the things I was thinking about plugging it into, which I'm glad you're on on this week because it's something that we definitely need to talk about. Uh, For the last couple of weeks, me and Joe have spoke uh, heavily about... um, that I've been buying the kind of old Mugafuga or Mogafoga oh. Oh, uh, yeah. pedals, uh, of which I have recently... You spent so much money! Shush, no. Joe. Don't remind me. Um, <laughs> and one of the ones I, I hunted down for ages was the low-pass filter, because it is the kind of traditional 
uh, or the the classic Moog ladder filter in a pedal, and I've I've spent more time looking for filter pedals than anything else. Uh, and then you know, just as I kind of buy this Moog pedal and put it on my pedal board, you sort of release the float. So we should probably <laughs> you should probably convince me why I need to take off the Moog pedal and. <laughs> Put, put yeah, good. That's, well. that's good. Let's let's talk about the float. Let's uh, let's do it because this is the big one, isn't it? This is uh, this is you know very very uh, topically new because of course we've we've been talking Dan for for like a month. I've been rubbish at, at getting my schedule together and actually getting you on an episode, but no this has worked out very well because now you know the floats come out and and we can actually talk about that. So yeah, it's perfect timing. The, the the float the, one of the best videos you've ever done i really enjoyed the spacesuits they were, they were fantastic <laughs> dear listener you have to check them out if uh, if you if you haven't already it's uh, it's a wonderfully in-depth uh, video about the float that really explains everything about it because i do feel like it's a pedal that needs explaining there are there are a, a lot of controls you've got like 10 rotaries four toggles and two sliders on there Isotope and Native Instruments have teamed up to create the start-to-finish bundle that home recording guitar nerds have been waiting for. Plus, you, dear listener, get an extra 10% off with guitar nerds by using discount code NERDS10 at the checkout on isotope.com. From the creative spark to the final touch, their new bundles include pretty much everything you could possibly need, which is great because it's far too easy to sink hundreds of pounds and a big chunk of your time into just picking up random plugins. The Music Production Suite 4.1 and Complete 13 bundle contains over 30 intelligent mixing, mastering and repair plugins, 65 premium instruments, 20 plus expansions and over 35,000 sounds. And if that's a bit basic for you, they've also bundled Music Production Suite 4.1 with Complete 13 Ultimate, which gives you everything that makes Complete 13 incredible, plus a colossal library of added synths, sampled instruments and effects. 115 plus premium instruments and effects, 39 native instruments expansions and over 65,000 sounds. It sounds like a lot. It is. It's very good, very comprehensive. And as we've come to expect from Isotope, it's very good value. If you're looking to get into home recording, I cannot recommend it more highly. And if you're already into home recording, it, it really is the one-stop shop for making what you do sound better. This podcast is entirely treated and produced using Isotope plugins, and Native Instruments have been responsible for almost every synth or sample you've heard on our Guitar Nerds jingles. Check out their great new bundles on isotope.com or follow links in the description of this podcast and use discount code NERDS10 at the checkout for 10% off anything in the Isotope arsenal. It's the longest Dan explains it all we've done, and I feel like I didn't I scratch the surface. You know? It's like 30 minutes, yeah. isn't it? So, <laughs> There's costume <yeah>. changes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about that. So it is uh, in its in its simplest uh, thing a filter pedal. Yes, yeah. It um it is a it is in a genre of pedals that feels fairly done, you know? You a fixed filter right. to do cool resonant sweeps or an envelope filter to do, you know, those kind of like quacky sounds mm-hmm. uh or float to have two entirely separate filters that uh, can be fixed or can react to an envelope or can follow an LFO or that LFO can be affected by an envelope or 
uh, you know, they can be unsynced or synced to each other, run in stereo or series or parallel. Um, basically, the, the, I don't know if you guys know that there, there was another Old Blood video where we were we had Andy Othling in town, and the float idea kind of originated from him. So the video was just kind of us wandering around Oklahoma City and, and talking about the project as a whole. And yeah, he essentially just came to us with this idea of like, I want a pedal that has two like good sounding filters into it that can just sort of move on their own in unexpected ways, just give um, shape to like long form ambient things. You know, maybe he's he's got different loops running and he just wants a filter to slowly close and open up and another one to do a different thing. And so we kind of threw every idea at the wall and um and this was right it was was i think january 2020 at the at the uh at the last nam that old blood was at we were talking with andy about this and in february or march i started on it and then started working from home march 2020 so this feels very much like my uh you know pandemic project almost because i feel like I, <laughs> I like you dove deep on this genre of pedal that i wasn't even super familiar with like i've i don't know if i've ever owned a filter pedal i've played a handful but um it's, has it never been like never been a thing that's resonated with you not really you know I've, I've i've enjoyed filter sounds but it just hasn't i guess spoken to me as a player before um but then in developing float i suddenly was like oh well now i love <laughs> i love the sound of filters <laughs> and in particular it started to open up these things uh when you use two together like when when you have like a high pass and a low pass running in mono uh that are synced to each other moving across the same cutoff frequency it starts to sound like a phaser uh but then maybe they're both low pass filters and you pan them wide and they're moving opposite each other and suddenly it's like a panning tremolo and so a lot of the the interactions of two filters were what started to open it up for me as a just as as a user and as a guitar player um so it was it was a funny project where we kind of you know threw a bunch of ideas at the wall and were able to actually put them all and some more in the pedal and it made me fall in love with this genre of effects while, <laughs> while designing one so it feels Sold. like you've kind of pulled back the curtain. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, yeah, to actually sell you on it. Um, yeah, your other one, you can probably get a bunch of money for on the used market, and then Float will do a little bit more, presumably. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it feels like with Float, you've, you've kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit of what a filter pedal does, because there's, there's so much almost access to what, I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but what would normally be locked into a pedal and a pedal designer would give you a certain amount of controls over what they deem to be, you know, a, a reasonable sounding filter pedal. You've kind of given everyone everything. Yeah. If you look at like a classic envelope filter design, it's usually going to have like maybe volume, sensitivity, direction, something like that. And so sensitivity can control, you know, how much it reacts to your playing, but it might not set how low the filter goes in terms of its cutoff frequency and how high that cutoff frequency goes. And so one of one of my favorite things with float is to have an envelope that can react to your signal, but the filter doesn't move a ton. You know, a lot, a lot of envelope filter pedals, you have to be very careful with your playing dynamics to, to get it to work in exactly the right range. Whereas in float, we have that min max toggle where you can set the minimum and set the maximum. And so you specifically define that range. Um, and so, yeah, we were trying to just, give the user the opportunity to to round off some edges or fully open up the you know the world of filters uh, however they wanted to approach it and um can can you run it um 
because I purposely, when uh, Joe said um, that you're going to be on the podcast and it launched, I was like, I'm not going to watch anything on this and I'm okay. going to wait for you to come on <laughs> and I'm going to ask all the questions um, and the, the specific nerdy questions. So two, two ins, two outs. So I'm assuming that you can route, you know, again, I think interesting you mentioned about Andy and, and kind of the ambient thing. Um, so I'm guessing you can you can kind of use this like two individual pedals, right? So you can run... At two different points in your pedal chain or or whatever if you wanted to exactly yeah yeah you can uh you know have one filter at the start of everything and another filter at the end of everything um you can do a true stereo with it you know if you want to do a do a stereo filter you just you know plug your stereo signal into in one and in two mm. um and you can also do when you're when you're just plugged in to in one and out one it internally routes them in parallel so basically your filter one foot switch turns the whole thing on and off and then filter two is an extra filter that you can add in parallel to it amazing Um, or if you just want to do them in series you just throw a patch cable up top you know running from from Mm. out one to into um but yeah i think the i I really like a lot of the kind of parallel mono stuff that it does as as well as the stereo stuff so yeah i think we we've I've always internally thought of it as just a dual filter, but we've also been calling it a stereo filter, realizing, oh, that's, you know, people like stereo stuff, and this one has two, so <laughs> technically it's a stereo pedal. There you go. <laughs> I, um, I I could see this actually, you know, interestingly, uh, although a guitar player, um, I can see this actually being really handy for synth players, especially like mono synth players or like people who have got big... Um, you know, maybe stereo keyboards like an old Juno or something like that, where you could add this kind of analog filter um, to the output stage in stereo and you could kind of get some weird and wacky stuff that way. Um, so actually almost as like a studio tool as well and like routing, you know, stuff out in stereo, having two different filters and then kind of playing off each other, I think is a really, really um, really cool idea. Yeah, I almost see it like looking at it. I almost think of it as two pedals in one um so you could really do some interesting stuff in terms of the routing which i think is um is very cool how um obviously you said it's kind of like your pandemic project at what point do you kind of go it's done because it sounds like you've put so much into it and so many different ideas and cramming loads of different ideas into it what point do you go like enough enough is enough i think it's finished now I don't know if I really f- feel that moment. Like <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> I think I kind of don't believe that the pedal is done until it's out, <laughs> even though mm-hmm. it has to be done before that point. Um, I, it, cause like with, with float, it felt like it was, I think that one went through a lot of, um, sort of changes throughout the prototyping process because because it can do so much uh like one of the early prototypes didn't have the so i don't know if you've seen how the the leds dim and brighten to show you where the filter is Mm -hmm. um so it's this really helpful visual indicator because you know the slider you can set your minimum and maximum but you can't tell where the filter actually is in its sweep at any given time and that was just from a coworker that played an early prototype where they were just standard on off LEDs. And he was like, I wish you could tell where the filter is. Like maybe there was a, an LED kind of dimming thing. And then that was an amazing idea. So we, we put that in there. Um, and then when we sort of passed it off to friends, they had ideas for 
like our friend Andy Pitcher said, hey, I, you know, it would be cool if the LFOs could not only sync to each other, you know, where filter two and filter one are linked to the same LFO, but also have those LFOs flipped. So like when one is high, the other's low and vice versa, but they're moving together. Um, that's very cool. And so that's I you know, kind of found a way to, to sneak that in there as well. Um, and so we, we kind of kept making changes. Uh, and I think at a certain point, it, it took me a while to realize that it was done uh, until suddenly I was like, oh, yeah, I guess there's nothing left to add. <laughs> so it, it, it can be tough. Usually the, that's the moment is we, we pass around the, the shop, maybe a you know trusted circle of friends. And when sort of nobody has anything to add or any notes of you know, just, uh, this could be better. This could be different. Or, or maybe they have a note of, uh, could it do this? And we have to say, ah, no, that's actually just too much or too different from, from the, the main brief. But yeah, there's usually a moment where it's been out there in the shop and with friends long enough that we say, okay, I guess it must be done now. We can actually <laughs> put this into production. It must've been trickier with the float. I imagine than a lot of other pedals. I can just imagine, you know, when you're making a sort of full control reverb or, you know, or a fuzz or something that there's when it sounds great you're like cool fine this is this is there because there's almost just one thing that that's trying to do but when you're doing something like this that has got to do a hundred different things it must be difficult to find that point yeah and a, a lot of different a lot of difficult troubleshooting as well where it's like oh i think it might not be working and then i go oh well you've got the envelope active but the shape is set to random and so you have to uh, it'll move to a different frequency whenever you skip over like the threshold, uh, but it won't linearly move. Uh, and so there's moments where it's like, oh, I think there might be a bug in here. And then we realize, oh, wait, no, it's just you just got to move the knob this way because it, it, it's a pedal that really does require a lot of explaining to, <laughs> to be able to figure that's out. That's it, isn't it? As, <laughs> as soon as you've got complicated pedals like that, there is going to be a point where it's going to sound crap. And <laughs> you've got you've got to make sure that people understand that that's due to where the controls are and not because of the pedal. It's I think it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like you can design a well. I say you can design a pedal. I certainly can't. I don't think Joe can either. Um, but you. Uh, but I know from from doing a lot of stuff with with Boss and like you can come on, you can play with it and go. This is the best sound ever. And it's like you know, Boss always intend for you to be able to get the out of the box and set everything to 12 and that's like your go-to sound but someone always finds a way to do something that it was never intended to do but then that becomes the thing that it's like known for you know and you're like oh but also people just tend to break things in stupid ways and like like you say you can just go oh yeah well if i do this this and this it sounds like that and it doesn't sound very good and i'm like why would you do this this and this but you forget that you can't be in someone else's mind. Like the way someone approaches something will never be exactly the same as, as you want it. No one will ever interpret it in the same way. Um, so I find quite interesting. Yeah. it's And it's an interesting approach to, I feel like that knobs at noon thing is, um, so, you know, Old Blood tends to try to make weirder stuff, unexpected stuff, uh, things that, you know, sound different from what you've heard before but i think part of our approach is that we try to make it sound approachable when the knobs are at noon and then it gets wild as you push the knobs to their extremes uh but float yeah kind of by its nature can't really follow that same uh that same template just because it is all the controls are so interactive and everything that it's more like okay you have to sit down and really understand what's happening here you know to to get the most normal sound 
turn the rate all the way down, sensitivity in the middle, resonance at like all the way down or maybe a quarter of the way up, and then move your slider. You know, it's <laughs> you have to be a lot more uh, specific mm. with your approach to it. Um, but I like, it's, I still it's... like that approach of the pedal that sounds great with knobs at noon, and then you can find ways to, to push it into crazier territory. It's, it's definitely kind of a, almost an unspoken thing that I think everyone, uh, when designing a product, has to consider is it's not just the product, it's about how people will switch it on and experience it for the first five minutes like and that the the whole knobs at noon thing is a great example of that like working for ashdown engineering is something that they they came across uh maybe 10 years ago is they were getting a reputation for making quiet amps they like people were saying that their 500 watt heads didn't sound like 500 watts and they couldn't work out why because they're like oh their amps are 500 watts they're not quiet than others but it was because they were first off two, two things being honest about uh, about the power rating on the amps, which not a lot of companies are, and and secondly that their the controls were uh, what, what do you call it when a, a control works the same the whole way round? I can't remember. Uh, you can set an expression pedal. To it. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but it, it meant that you know the the amp was giving you its you know stage volume at ten eleven o'clock, but no one ever wants to do that. People don't like putting an amp above midway. Right and and most amp heads aren't they don't move they they have all their volume in that in the first five and then virtually nothing from five to ten so many amps work like that and that's become the standard and because Ashdown weren't doing that people thought they were quiet because at twelve o'clock they were quiet in comparison to an amp that was actually giving you almost everything for the first five and not very much for the last bits. So they changed their controls. They didn't want to, but it was just just to lose the reputation. They had to do the controls the same way everyone else was, which sort of seems silly because it means you don't have as, you, you know, you, your control doesn't work properly because, you know, you're, you're having to, you're getting so much in that first half turn and then so little in the second half turn. It doesn't make sense. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's the trend of the masses that you have to sort of, <laughs> You, know, you have to go with. yeah that is it's a really interesting thing to to have to to fight expectations in that way it's, i think that the taper of the pot maybe was what you were thinking of where it's like yeah yes, that's they it can be yes. like linear or logarithmic and so and i can't remember which linear, I can't remember which one is which but saying. but yes. yeah that thing where it's supposed to get loud super fast which is actually less useful than the other way around but it, it's what people expect so yeah that's mm, exactly. yeah or like when people you know I, I we haven't gotten these emails about float yet but i'm sure that we'll at some point get the thing where it's like you know the sensitivity is dimed but i feel like the envelope still isn't reacting very well and we say okay well you know tell us more about the rest of your setup and it's like well you know i've got a strat and i've got it rolled back to about two or so on the volume control <laughs> you know <laughs> it's just uh sometimes you have to get over that hump of like okay well let's let's start with how this thing should work. Yeah, yeah, you, you have to help. This is you have to help people not be afraid to try diming the control and see if that's loud enough for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interestingly, with with the moped, I had the same thing. Because like the first time I plugged it in, it's like different. I'd had I'd been playing it for ages with a Music Man, which is you know, with Valentine's got like an active preamp and stuff. And then when I plugged the Strat in, I was like, why doesn't it sound the same? <laughs> and you sort of something you just like you get so used to one thing, and then you're like. Oh wait! Like I have to, ch you have to change things when you change guitars and stuff like that. Um, but um, the the other thing, I, I guess, 
you know, I wanted to to point out with this, which I think is quite interesting, is obviously this is your first digitally controlled analog pedal. Um, and if I excuse me if I get this wrong, but are your focused on have been focused more on the DSP side of things? Is that right? And yes. then yeah. you've got the uh, someone else who is more of the analog side. So was was this kind of like a the first time that you? would sort of collaborated as it were in terms of building a unit so we had done um so isaac is the 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 other engineer at old blood yes, that's it you know, when you look at the white cap that's a really good example of there's a digital tremolo and an analog tremolo and that was fully like isaac made an analog tremolo i made a digital one and then we we smushed them together um whereas with float it was a little bit more um uh, for if, on that one, I just kind of dove into the, the analog side of things as well. Um, so that ended up being something that I learned a lot more about, like analog filters and and how all of that works. Um, just I think partially because the way that the digital side of things had to interact with the analog side of things, also partially because it was it was 2020, so we were doing you know skeleton crew at the shop and isaac is um he's sort of our analog engineer but also our uh, our production lead and like when something goes wrong with the cnc he's fixing that so we we each have a, a lot of different you know things that we're working on and so yeah for whatever reason with float it just ended up being something that i i dove into the analog side as well um so sort of stretching into a different uh microcontroller universe and simultaneously a, an analog signal thing so yeah it was, it was a lot of learning for me um in that realm as well. Uh, I mean, again, I think just a, an amazing sense of achievement in terms of what you've done. Um, and yeah, I think it'll be an interesting thing to dive into. Um, certainly using two filters at once. What does the, um, so how do you, or what can you do with the expression control? How does the expression jack, does that control just, just one thing or can you kind of sync it to do other things or? Yeah. So you can link it to uh, basically the, the, the cutoff, the, you know, the frequency cutoff directly or the rate control directly um, on either side. So you can, if you want it to just sweep one cutoff, you can set it up that way. If you wanted to sweep both rates simultaneously, you set it up that way or both cutoffs or, you know, different configurations. Um, and basically it'll move between your minimum and your maximum. Uh, so it can, I mean, it can open up like the wah thing, you know, if you plug in an expression pedal and just sweep the filter directly. Um uh, or you can use a slider to manipulate two rates at the same time, or use a ramper to, <laughs> I haven't actually tried this yet, but you could ramp between two rates. You could have, have an LFO control over your LFOs, essentially. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, is uh, nerdy beyond belief, um, but I'm sure it, um, well, there you go. You haven't tried it. Now you know what to do for the rest of your day. Yep, that'll be, that'll be um, the next thing. <laughs> But um, I guess the last question for me, which I'm sure you, you might have a have a view on this, but uh, obviously the one great thing about old blood noise as well is that you as a team have always looked back on the things you've done and perhaps done a V2 or a V3 um, in some ways. And coming back to my question of like, when is it done? Do you, are you looking at it now going, oh, I'd do this, I'd do this. And do you ever think you'd see a V2 or even a V3? In the future, I guess it's kind of difficult to say, but um, it, yeah, it always varies. looking for improvements. Yeah, I mean, I think with um, uh, like with the with the screen violence pedal, for example, I you know when that came out, I just thought I love this pedal. I have not had any moment of I wish it was more like this or more like this. 
uh, with float, I think because we packed so much in and like every idea that somebody had, I went, yeah, let me see how to see how we can get that in there. Um, I'm already seeing comments from people like, oh, I wish I could externally sync it. And I go, man, that is a great idea. <laughs> but it's also like, a, you know, I know that a, a big part of it is we, you know, we packed so much into it that when, you know, thinking of external control, it's like, I don't know, I feel like that's, that's maybe too much. Maybe we let this unit kind of live in its own world. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it varies. Sometimes you, you almost never feel done with a thing. And other times you feel like it, like it's complete. Um, so yeah, I mean, with Float, we're certainly not going to be doing a V2 anytime soon. But it, often when things have been out for a few years, we revisit them. I mean, we, we put out the XS V2 earlier this year. That that came out in 2017, and that, that was actually the first first old blood pedal um, that that I worked on as the, uh, you know doing the digital side of it. Oh really? Um, and then yeah, earlier this year we finally revisited that. Put put it in a smaller case with more control. Um, and I think it's, it's we were just able to make it a, a much better thing. Um, so yeah, we, always in the back of our mind, we've we've got you know yeah maybe we can revisit that at some point and do a, a deluxe version or a V two or something. But as it is right now, we've actually only got new designs um, on the plate. We've, we, I think we've kind of tweaked everything to our liking, <laughs> and so don't feel the need for any V twos currently. But certainly, <laughs> certainly never say never. <laughs> What's um I what. What is the old blood noise endeavors pedal that you're the most proud of? I think it's that you've worked. I think it's still Dweller for me. There's something special in that one. Um, Float. I I take a lot of pride in just the the sort of the work and the the learning experience and the way that I I was able to get so much in there. Um, Also, a shout out. I mentioned that it was kind of all my design. Isaac was the one that figured out how to fit all of those controls onto. Uh, a circuit board that would fit in that size case so that was that was a big yeah. success yeah on that Isaac's looks part. like that was probably a, yeah they a big they said can it. we put it in this size case and i said i don't think so and isaac said uh, let me let me take a crack at it <laughs> um but i feel like dweller is something that came about from me just messing around i was trying to make a phaser but i was still i was very new to pedal design i've been doing it for maybe a year, year and a half, something like that. So I was still learning so much so quickly that it was like, okay, well, here's how you would code a, a phaser on this particular platform. Uh, why, why do you allocate only one memory slot for each of the stages? What if you just gave them like 500 slots? And then it just sounded totally different in a way that I couldn't understand. But it was so unique and felt like something I hadn't heard that I, I kind of took it back to Brady and Seth and was like, I think this is our phaser pedal. <laughs> like this, whatever weird thing is happening here, I want to f- you know, figure out how to control it better and that and that's what what led to dweller is essentially a a phaser that can be stretched into a reverb or a delay kind of depending on how you set it and so that's a pedal that i i still use regularly and i still come back to and feel like i learn a little bit of a new thing about it still to this day so um that that's just that's just the the thing that still holds kind of a a special place in, in my heart you know it's a great example of I think what I think of old blood noise endeavors the the dweller in that it's um it you know it's a a quintessential effect done very unusually um and I kind of that that's almost uh, yeah that's how that's how old blood works across the board there's lots of stuff that's that's going to be very accessible it's going to go straight on your board and you're going to make great sounds with it immediately but it's also going to be able to do quite unusual things as well if you want it to 
yeah, I love that it it looks like a phaser and and can be a phaser, but the moment you move that stretch knob, it's just like everything suddenly works differently. And I think that's mm. yeah, that's where a lot of the fun in it lies. What um what what old blood noise and Devers pedal have you spent the most time with, Matt? The minim. That's um to me I, before the podcast um started and actually before you joined Dan we were talking about um Chase Bliss pedals um and we were talking about ambience and pedal boards and obviously your involvement in the kind of uh mood and uh that that side of things and then um we were talking about instant ambience and the kind of most accessible, this kind of wave of pedals that can do lots of crazy stuff, but are kind of difficult to rein in, but the kind of magic sweet spot. I think for a lot of people that just find a pedal that kind of you plug it in and no matter what you do, it sounds good for that kind of music. And there are a lot of guitarists now who are doing that more kind of ambience thing and, you know, using the guitar as a kind of more, creative canvas i guess if you were in some ways and for me the minion was the one that was just like yeah it sort of doesn't matter where i set things it all sounds good the the biggest thing for me is just that i can't now save any of those great things <laughs> you're just like oh it sounded really good this one time and then i've totally forgotten where i set the controls but it's out <laughs> but then it sounds you know good another time you plug it in and the way that i've actually been using it um which is some some feedback, I guess, for the old Blood Noise team, is I've actually been using in the effects loop of the Game Changer Audio Plus pedal. So that kind of works as like a swell, you know, or a hold pedal, but the held audio has gotten its own effects loop. So I use it to kind of feed a constant signal into that and then just leave that on infinite and then use this as the kind of... um, the kind of manipulator of the uh, of the held sounds, and I, and I still stand by it. it's one of the just the best instant. Well, I mean, you call it an instant ambience machine. I think it is really up there with just the best. I think the mood took it in an interesting direction using the kind of Chase Bliss format and that kind of stuff. But the Minim is just a nice. Well, it was a nice upgrade from the Rever, um, but it still did a bunch of just great stuff really instantly. So for me, that's the one I spent the most time with and the one that I still love plugging in the most, I think. Yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah, I, lo- I love that usage of it too on the on the plus pedal, just further further stretching and ambient pad into something even more. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the other pedals that I think kind of... Um, in fact, Andy was a great... Andy, I think, was a great user of this. I, I remember watching him talking about his... One incarnation of a pedal board seems to change every time was the Dark Star. Because again, it had that kind of hold button on there, and again, it was just instantly so good for just a more ambient reverb that just did more than like here's a note, a note held forever. Um, I guess kind of electronics freeze kicked a lot of that off for a lot of people. I remember the first time we were in the shop we all worked in in uh, in the UK, me, Joe, and and the other guys, and we were like, oh, the freeze this feels like a totally new thing, and it totally opened up this like crazy kind of world of people going i only have to play one note on a guitar um (laughs) and but it but it didn't do anything apart from that it didn't have any other sounds in and obviously they've had other pedals since since then but i thought the um the dark star was a great one for that because you literally called it a pad a pad reverb that's exactly what it what it did um 
so yeah i think uh i think that's the nice thing like you say you came back come back to what you said is you've always designed something that does something different rather than and something unexpected rather than like oh this is a distortion and everyone goes is it going to sound like a tube screamer or a ds1 you know yeah i think that's that's the great thing Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for for me, I I think I I I kind of want to say the fault just because that that pedal it made it onto my pedal board for for a, a, a fair old while, and I'm very fickle. My pedal board changes all the time. But I think I saw like, um, and of course you know I'm playing bass, but I saw Patrick Hunter, who is a, a, a bass YouTuber who I've got a lot of time for. I think he makes really interesting videos. I saw him use uh, the fault on bass, and I remember that we we had one in the in the guitar nerds arsenal but it's just sort of you know with our stuff and i saw patrick kind of do this video and i was like huh that does sound really good and then committed it to my board and it, it was absolutely fantastic but um yeah the, i think the pedal that i love the most is actually the visitor oh um, yeah yeah I, I i really love the visitor not probably not for the right reason or, <laughs> or almost the reason that you created it i I actually just love it as a really slow phaser. If you shut down the secondary control and just use it as a slow phaser, I think it sounds great because the depth control goes really far. So um, you can get this this ridiculous arc on a slow phase where it almost disappears entirely from the from the mix and then comes back in. I, I, I love that about it. It's uh, it's like a it can do this sort of MXR phase ninety thing times a hundred. Um, which yeah, I'm a big fan. That's of. great. Yeah, and that's you know, you say you're you're using it wrong or whatever, but it's like, well, you know, we we also voiced the single ones to to be really usable in that way. You know, that's that's and that's part of the approach to these pedals is to do the weird thing, but also make sure that when it's doing the normal thing, it sounds really nice doing it. You know, going back to those envelope filters on float, you want it to be able to sound like John Mayer if somebody wants it to sound like John Mayer, even if that's not the <laughs> primary goal of the pedal. <laughs> Sure, sure. Who would? Who would? But, uh, but yes. Now, now I, w- I want to talk about some other things as well because, because um, uh, actually, Dan, you you have a fantastic um, Instagram account, especially where you check out pedals. And because you know you're so in, in, in because you make fantastic pedals, it's always really awesome when you see someone who's in the scene checking out other people's stuff and giving very positive opinions on it because it, it fills me with confidence that that this is a, a good thing that I should check out. So I kind of wanted to pick your brains about things that you've come across recently that you've loved. Um, because, you know, that, like I've never tried out, for example, the 1981 DRV, which which you, you've recently uh, got, I think. Yes, yeah, just recently. Um, I, w- I want to know what you thought about that. There have been a, a handful of other really interesting things that I've seen you use really interestingly on your Instagram channel. So I guess, yeah, the question is, what you know yeah what cool things what cool things should people be checking out and first of all talk to me about the drv and why I should. yeah for sure yeah i i appreciate that question i'm blushing over here i'm like oh i have a good instagram thank you (laughs) that really was just it was born out of you know oh here's a fun sound let me just capture it and i guess i'll put it on instagram for posterity Um, so just continue to do that um but yeah the drv is a lot of fun um uh that i had a, i had a pedal that I was, I was debating selling and somebody in the old blood noise discord was like hey i'd like, love to trade this drv because i just got a different colorway of the drv uh for for this other pedal i was like yeah sure let's i'll, I'll take you up on that i've never really had a, a drv at home and um yeah it just does 
it just does the rat thing, but so much better. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's right. more more controllable and dynamic. And um, yes, yeah, so I haven't still haven't spent like a ton of time with it, but I've been really enjoying using it to further boost slightly dirty things. So to you know to pair it with something that's already overdriving a bit and just use it as that f- that final push to to just add much more sustain and, and distortion. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a really well-voiced take on you know like the circuit isn't like a rat but it was inspired by the rat and so it becomes this really well-voiced take on 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 that sound that's interesting especially because i'm still in the market for a good rat i so i haven't nailed that down i kept almost getting to the stage of getting something and then like you know i'm constantly uh shiny things catch my eye and i i I go and purchase that instead so i'm still (laughs) on the lookout for a rat alternative because um, of course I have like two Proco rats, so I don't need a Proco rat. I need I need an alternative. Um, so this is this is tempting. Would you? Did you have many rats? Have you played like many versions of of, of rats? Would you say this is the best rat alternative out there? So I have I, I've built a rat like just a, a clone from like very early pedal building days. Like let me learn about this stuff and you know kind of building it uh, not from a kit but just like a, almost a color by numbers like Vero board build. Um, uh, that, that I really like the sound of and the um, the excess distortion is actually so it's based on an old the old Ibanez session man which appears to be based on the rat like it's just circuit wise they're similar they're not the right. same but they're very similar um, and so I love I think the DRV takes away a bit of the like woofy fuzzy thing that happens just when it's totally cranked but it makes all and again this is this is sort of initial impressions so it could also be that i just haven't found that setting yet but um i feel like it it has less of that totally fuzzed out thing but everything else is almost tamed in a way where it's not as harsh um and just the mids feel really well voiced um yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm giving an early review, so I'm afraid to be you know be too specific about it. You <laughs> no, know, that's fine. In, that's in a fine. Week, that's I'm fine. Be like, actually, but yeah, no, I think that's the thing is it doesn't <laughs> seem to go quite as crazy, but in all the moments where it's not going wild, and it does still get very high high gain, but um, it's like throughout the rest of the sweep, it's it's voiced I think a lot better than just classic rat that can get kind of just shrill and weird <laughs> at lower gain settings. I think um, okay. I think what's interesting, um, obviously, you being much more deep in the kind of pedal traditional pedal building world than that. Um, I'm amazed that the person behind uh, 1981 Inventions has basically only made that product for what seems like the last two years, and the demand still seems unreal. And every time yeah. they put out a different color, it's like, oh, this is sold out now. I'm like. How many? How many of these is the is that, is that person selling? It's just like they they last about four seconds um, before they disappear. I'm just amazed that uh, yeah they've done so well from just one single pedal. It's not had to expand their line in any way. Yeah, I feel like people tend to get one and hang on to it. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what must be happening because yeah, you just don't hear a bad word about it. You know, it's just somebody somebody said I want a pedal that sounds like a rat, but better in all of these respects and then they they made that thing and so it's been a yeah just a mm. consistent product so yeah no, i'm no, keen you're... keen to try it at some point you buy one joe and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do that yeah i'll get one i'll get one that's fine that's fine i'm happy i need to buy something else at the moment i'm itching i haven't i haven't purchased anything in a couple of weeks it's awful <laughs> um but uh, dan you upload pictures of your pedal board every now and again on your instagram and it's 
changing all the time, which is good. That's good. I mean, you should tidy up. <laughs> bit, you know, <laughs> the pedalboard is messy, but there are only a couple of things that I see. I seem to see that never change, um, and that's the. Uh, oh, I can't remember what the Thorpey effects is that you. The camouflage. Uh, the camouflage and the Boss VB2. They seem to maybe be the only things that stay the same on your on your Those board. and the, the flint has been a constant. I think the flint moves ah, around in yes, its location, but it's always on there. Um, and then the, and then recently the, the Calamity Drive slash Midland Drive slash it's, you know, we'll, yes, we'll talk we more about that talk later. About that shortly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the... That became a sound that I used a lot when. So my my band was recording a new album uh, last winter, and uh, we had just gotten a VB2 at the shop, and I'm basically just perma borrowing it at this point. I keep saying ah, I can bring it back whenever you want, but I just leave it on my board because it sounds just so nice. Just putting the depth <laughs> and rate both really low for just a slight vibrato, and then additionally right. running that into the camouflage again with the blend kind of low, so it it's almost this like harmonic enhancer where it doesn't. It doesn't Ooh, read like, like a flanger. This. It just gives this little bit of motion and a bit of sparkle. A tasteful lift. Yeah. And yeah, what was what was the uh um what was the Strymon pedal that I had on my board for ages, Matt, that I just left the on deco. I did that? The deco, yeah, yes. That, yeah. I love that. I love a, a light flight because people think of flangers as being this ridiculous relatively tacky effect, but used lightly, used like someone pressing their finger against a bit of tape. It, it can be so tasteful and such an, an enriching thing to your guitar tone. Yeah, it's. I think. I, I think basically, <laughs> take the flanger and turn the resonance down is the key. It, it make it make it sound like a chorus with a shorter delay time, and it just to to me that's what can open up just about any flanger. But the yeah, the camouflage. The moment I got that, it, you know, I I had seen reviews saying like this is the best flanger ever. And the, the demos always sounded great. I finally got one, played it and went, yep, done. That's, that's my flanger. <laughs> so it's just, it's just been on my board ever since. Amazing. Amazing. I am. Yeah, they... I'm with you on the VB2 though. I think that's the VB2 and the OC2 are the two pedals that I can't, my pedal board has basically got to the point now where it's got like six or seven pedals on. I'm like, if I'm going to have a pedal board that I'm going to use like most of the time, it has to have those pedals on it. And the VB2 is the one where I think in the rare occasion I've taken it off, I'm like, no, I just need to put it back on now. It's just here's, here's the thing for me, Matt, that won't be popular is the problem is that for me that the digital version of the VB2 that's on the MS3 is very good. It's very good. And I took the VB2W off my board because I was like, this is a whole, and I use vibrato all the time like you've heard my band i use vibrato <laughs> all the time but the the ms3 version is is close enough that i resigned it from my board even though it's probably my most used effect after drive um but the vb2 is obviously still yes absolutely uh, that along with the oc2 two of the best pedals ever yeah i would agree how often do you think you have three people in a room that all love a vb2 <laughs> do you know and um if you go back 10 years almost impossible because it was not a cool pedal 10 no years i think um i remember we i've told this story once or twice on the podcast before um but yeah after a period of working in uh this music shop down down in brighton gack down in brighton which regular listens listeners will know about but um 
not long after me and and Jay and a couple of other people kind of started managing that shop and we were handling a lot more of the secondhand sales. I remember a person came in once with a VB2 and at that point, I mean, I knew about boss pedals and I'd never seen one. I knew it was like, they were like relatively like unpopular on launch. Like I think the idea was it was supposed to replicate a guitarist's vibrato. It wasn't like, the vibrato in an amp because that was obviously all of those things were kind of labeled wrong or differently um it was supposed to mimic the vibrato of a guitar player and of course it did a terrible job at doing that it's just like no one has vibrato that like perfect as it were um but i remember this one came to the shop like looking to sell it second hand and i was like yeah and and at the time like they weren't going for much money at all and i was like yeah it's probably worth like i don't know like 50 quid or something like that <laughs> and they were like oh and i was like and then like it was one of those like the slowest light bulb moment ever where i was like 10 years later i sort of woken up from a dream and gone damn it <laughs> I totally should have bought that um and i never i never saw another one in real life until the first ever nam that i went to which was nam 2017 um and we had every single compact up to that point on display in the boss booth and they couldn't even find a vb2 in california in la wow. yeah that, that, and um Didn't they speak to one all directly well i think at the time you know just they wanted one for the collection as it were and um they i think they ended up one finding one on reverb or something and the guy was based in la and he was like yeah i want like 400 bucks for it and they were like well it's the only one we're missing and we need it for nam so they ended up spending like 400 bucks and now again you can't see them i i can't remember the last time i saw a second hand one come up for sale probably different in the us because you have a much stronger second hand market than we do um but yeah, you very, very rarely see them for sale now. Yeah, and I guess Ever. when I when I first read about it, it was like you know because I'm like a big fan of Graham Coxon's guitar sound, and they you know mm. they, I had seen that you know he uses a VB2, and I was able to associate it with oh, so it's that's what makes you know that that vibrato sound. But at the time, they were just you know hard to find and expensive. Uh, so it, yeah, it took until the the Waza version came out, and I think even a couple years after that for me to actually finally try one. And the moment I plugged it in, I went, "Yep, that's." That's the sound. <laughs> it's just mm. an excellent vibrato. Yeah, absolutely. The, the um, speaking about you know sort of missed opportunities with boss pedals, Matt. Spe- specifically, my one from Gak is when you, I think, I think it was you, bought in an SP one, an actual SP one. Now this was before Boss had done the box set, um, and it had been reissued, um, and we, and it, it was still revered at that time, but pedals were still in a different state than they are in now and uh, and we put it in the case for 300 quid and i remember thinking that's a lot of money it's a really cool pedal and i really nearly bought it and i, I didn't just because i thought oh, 300 pounds it's it only does the one thing and it's a great thing but yeah 300 pounds is a lot i do want the vintage but i didn't go for it now i just checked the cheapest I can find one on eBay is nine hundred pounds. <laughs> I, I mean, I've for a cocktail. I've I, I've owned one, and again, I think you have to be in a very specific guitar band to to really use it. I think the one I had, I think, was modded with an on-off switch. Obviously, apart from the foot switch, because the LED on those early ones never stayed on it was always a check light i mean this is obviously the early days of the pedals and they were like we don't need the light on all the time 
because you know when the pedal's on you just you just when you click it the light needs to flash so you know it works um and obviously that changed Amazing. but I, i've yeah i've owned an sp1 an od1 and a ph1 um just not all at the same time or together which is a shame now because yes that would definitely be worth <laughs> a decent chunk of money so i try not to think about those things too much <laughs> sorry i'm sorry man i'm sorry that's fine no but that's um i mean before we go on to um i guess the last person but that's the one thing I- i'm always jealous of in in the us and, and maybe dan you, you've you've spent a bit more time on this it's like craigslist we don't really have that in the uk so i always find that people are like yeah i picked up this awesome like vintage amp or whatever on craigslist for like 10 guys, t- 10 bucks from like a guitar, t- 10, 10 guys, guys. <laughs> t- 10 bucks from a, some, some guy's garage or whatever. And we don't really have like garage sales or garage sales, as we would say. We don't really have that either. So it always feels like the only place you're going to get something is eBay or Reverb and you feel like you're going to pay top dollar every oh, single yeah. time. Reverb's always too expensive because everyone prices at a premium on Reverb. And the problem with e- eBay, in, in certainly in the UK, is that most of the gear, certainly the gear that I'm interested in, is exclusively owned by 65-year-old men who live in the arse end of nowhere who are unwilling to post anything. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, so there's <laughs> there's no chance of me actually buying stuff. So Yeah, yeah I feel like the sooner they all pass away and, and their stuff gets <laughs> redistributed, the better. So I'll be able to buy it. Yeah, I feel like I've never gotten those like yeah garage sale estate sale those incredible finds but i've also never i haven't really looked super closely because whenever i do look at craigslist it's it's just a list of things i don't really want that are probably perfectly fairly priced but you know i I, i've not uh, been one of those lucky people that goes oh yeah you know this guy didn't know what he had um but it's always amazing to hear those stories for sure yeah, it's. Uh, I find on certainly on, and maybe this is maybe bass players are nicer than guitarists. I'm not sure. They're certainly more tasteless, but maybe they're also nicer because on all the on all the UK like bass gear exchange groups, whenever someone posts something that's underpriced, it always just has twenty people in the comment section being like, "Mate, this is too cheap. You need to have a look at what you've got." So you can't get deals, which is actually really good. I'm yeah, not saying actually, that's I a bad thing. I'm not saying uh, I want to rip that, people that off. I really yeah. like that it's a nice com- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I like that it's like that. It's a nice community. I, I did it once and I felt awful. Like, you know, I didn't buy it, but, you know, someone posted something too cheap and I was like, you know, immediately commenting on there being like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll DM you. And then someone after me was like, this is too cheap. You shouldn't be sending this. And I was like, oh, I feel terrible. I feel like the worst person ever because I knew that. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yes, before before we go, because we're coming to the end of the podcast, I did want to spend more time on this. So we, we'll talk, we're going to talk about this now. Maybe we'll talk about it more on the, on the Patreon. But outside of Old Blood Noise Endeavours, you've done something that actually I, I'm sort of just about to do with my band as well, which is very, very cool. You've released an effects pedal with your band, Plain Speed. Yes, and I'm excited to hear about the uh, the Polymath pedal as well, but I, I'll bug you about that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this was... Uh, uh, basically, I was really interested in overdrives, but it didn't feel like kind of an, an old blood thing. Like, it, you know, at, at the day job, I was focused on digital things, or if I was doing analog stuff, it was more in support of those digital sounds. But at home, I would just keep trying different 
tube screamer derivatives or transparent overdrives or, I don't know, just various light overdrives. And I got really interested in that sort of genre of pedal. And I looked I am. I'm so sorry. Sorry to go. I'm so unsurprised that that's where this has come from. Because this is right. I love a transparent drive. This pedal is right on my street. I love everything about it. I think some of the controls that you've added to it are perfect for someone who's interested in light overdrive. It has all the controls that you need to make the most out of it. It is. It's. It's dynamics, and you've really thought about the dynamics. But sorry, yeah, no continue. Worries. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. It's cool to hear that you're, you're excited about it too. Because yeah, I think it. I, I hope that it's a, a, just a drive for people that that get geeked about this kind of stuff. And so I could I could do a deep dive on the the engineering of it, but the <laughs> the sort of surface level approach is that I wanted something that could do the the tube screamer thing. If you wanted to sort of focus the mids and have it clip in a fairly consistent way and have a bit of clean bleed um, you could make that happen but you could also do a much more full frequency open thing or you could uh, just distort like the high mids and up and have it kind of do almost like I don't know sometimes you hear pedals that are supposed to emulate dumbbells I feel like they have a lot of kind of high mid distortion while the lows are a little bit cleaner um, there's just a, a lot of good takes and you know the Greer light speed is amazing for just taking a super clean amp and giving it a bit of grit, almost like what you would use a compressor for, but just using an overdrive to, to do it. I, I, I always loved that pedal for that. Or like the Wampler Paisley drive did a great sort of hot rotted tube screamer sound. And so pedals like that, yes. I, I essentially wanted one thing that could do all of those things and maybe a little bit more while it was at it. And I, we were having a, you know, plain speak was getting together for a writing session because we were approaching making an album and, um, we were talking about just potential ways to, to raise money for the, the album making process. You know, we're just a, a little, you know, small DIY band. So we're, we're just kind of always trying to figure out how to, how to maximize things. And, uh, my bandmate Ben was like, would it be crazy to, to maybe try and release a pedal, like a signature pedal for the band? And I said, well, I just ordered a circuit board for an overdrive that is entirely meant for me and my taste, <laughs> but maybe we could, you know, let's, let's talk about it. And then we went in the studio and like, I was using it and we found it sounded great on bass. And we, we basically just thought like, yeah, this is, this is a useful pedal, not just for me, but for other scenarios as well. And uh, at the time I was calling it Midland drive because it was mid focused. And that was actually the street I like lived on until I was five years old. So that was a fun, fun <laughs> reference cool. point. Um, but then we decided to name the album calamity. So we figured we'll call the, the drive calamity drive. And yeah, just in June, uh, released it as a band, um, just as a way to, you know, yeah, help us fund the album and get this overdrive out in other people's hands too. And it's, it's been pretty amazing to have spent, I just, I spent so much time tweaking it to exactly the range of voicings that, that I wanted. Um, but it's been getting such positive reviews from, from those folks who have gotten it or have gotten to play one. And so I think it's, it's thankfully speaking to a lot of other people as well. Um, which is, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't feel confident designing an overdrive pedal because I feel like my specialty is, you know, things like Dweller. And so I thought, well, yeah, I mean, it's good for me, but is it going to be good for other people? And as it turns out, yeah, people like it. So it's been, it's been pretty amazing to, to see the response to it. My uh, my favorite thing about it is the uh, the articulation control that you've added to just enhance how the dynamics of your playing work. Yeah, al almost by because uh, it's just a clean. It's essentially toggling different levels of clean yeah. It's blend. basically it's, so it's taking that idea of like how a, a tube screamer has an inherent clean 
blend and it's just by nature of how it clips so you don't you can't really put any control over it um so i did the clipping differently in order for you to be able to either totally eliminate that or put a little bit of it in there or put a lot of it in there and i feel like a lot sounds kind of like a tube screamer a little sounds more like the light speed and then none sounds more like a hard clipper so you can almost get a rat type sound out of it again it does it doesn't do the crumbly fuzzy thing but you can get some of the lower gain rat type sounds out of it i think um but yeah so that that art switch is almost a different approach to instead of going like soft clipping or hard clipping it's like just it's kind of always hard clipping but with a blendable clean that's just three different settings of clean bleed uh and the the hard clipping is asymmetrical so it has a bit more i don't know the idea of creating something that feels a little more articulate a little more i don't know buzzwords like tube like um but but something that yeah just feels good under the fingers uh, i think is was was the whole goal of it i feel pretty good about where it landed yeah and you've managed to squeeze a whole extra foot switch and a yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's that is um, another another fun part of of using a drive like that. And when it does have a clean bleed too, is is boosting into the front of it. But I feel like if it's a totally clean boost, uh, it almost sounds too separate from the driven sound. Uh, so right. I was able to. That kind of took a clean boost schematic that uses a couple transistors and made it super high gain. And it seemed to distort a lot more than I would have expected, but that ended up being the perfect type of boost for, for this type of pedal, because the whole idea is to, yeah, to, to goose the the drive section further. Uh, and if you do have some of that clean bleed, it's like the clean boost part is a little dirty as well. So you don't have those super hot transients that come through because they're going to get clipped even in the boost part. So it just creates this, this extra level of dynamic control and, and it's called goose, which is fun. Exactly. It it just sounds like the perfect uh, extra bit to a drive pedal. I I love drive pedals that have a second thing so that I'm not just, you know, so that if I want a little bit more, I'm not adding another pedal and getting another voice involved. I'm I'm just, you know, enhancing something for where I want all the same essential aesthetics. Not aesthetic, you you know what I mean. I want all the same sort of things around that sound, but I want a little bit more of them and it just... It certainly sounds fantastic. Everything where the goose control was engaged in the video that that uh, you and your bandmate did, I thought were absolutely fantastic. I actually thought it sounded great on that Mustang bass as well. I thought it was, uh, it was yeah, really that cool. was that was a fun surprise of it. Um, he actually he was he was playing bass with a band called Labrys. Uh, he was on the road for a week or so, and uh, you put the Calamity on his board, and I saw them live, and I was like, How, "How's the Calamity treating you?" It sounded great, and he was like, "Yep, it was on the whole time." <laughs> and so it's, it was amazing that it's a, a great bass drive as well. <laughs> That is fantastic, and what a, what a cool, exciting thing to do to get to, um, you know, just to to get to release a pedal as a band. That's really cool. Yeah, I think it's rare that a band, I guess, has the has the facility to to produce a pedal themselves. Because you know, obviously, with like the the churches, the screen violence collaboration, that's a signature pedal for a band. But they they worked with a pedal company to to realize that that dream. Um, whereas with, yeah. with plain speak, it was kind of like, well, you know, Ben can do the artwork and I can do the circuit and we can work with a local guy who does enclosures. And so we were, we were actually able to, to produce a pedal fully as a band ourselves, you know, which I think is a rare, rare position yeah, to be in. That's very, very cool indeed. Uh, but yeah, dear listener, you can check it out on plainspeakmusic.com. Um, the calamity drive is very good, uh, from the signs of the video. So yeah, so do check it out. Um, we, we, we have run out of time on this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast, so we are going to head over to uh, the Patreon 
right now. We're going to talk about some more stuff. Um, I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping that Dan, you can help us fill a space on Matt's board with something. We've also got some suggestions from the Guitarnas Facebook group on what Matt can fill that sure. space with. So we're going to go over there. We're going to talk about that. Um, you, dear listener, you can become a Patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month. At the dollar tier, you get this episode ad free and early. Five dollars gets you access to the Patreon special episodes and our back catalogue. Ten dollars gets you a lot. Plus, I'll sing my thanks at the end of every episode. Find us on all your favourite social media platforms. Join the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook. Get involved in our weekly discussion. Thank you for listening. You've been lovely. Dan, thank you so much Thanks for so joining much for us. Me. It's been fantastic. Yeah, well, you you have been wonderful. And we, obviously, Dan's going to be back to listen on the Patreon, so join us over there. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 